You are tuned in to the State of Cannabis News Hour, where industry leaders, regulators, and lovers of cannabis gather collectively to move policy forward in an inclusive and sustainable way. Professionals and Canacurious alike can tune in to hear leading cannabis experts share and discuss headlines, critical industry issues, social topics, and more. The State of Cannabis News Hour, your daily dose. Hi, and welcome to the State of Cannabis News Hour, where we bring you all the top stories you need to know and talk about them for four minutes and 20 seconds. We are a group of experts in different cannabis spaces with a wide diversity of perspectives and life experiences. Our news is bite-sized and infused with a nice mix of facts, opinions, and a pinch of humor. It's Tuesday, May 31st, 2022. This is episode number 291. I'm Susan Sores, the founder of the State of Cannabis News Hour, author of the children's book, What's Growing in Grandma's Garden, and Cannabis's Favorite Grandma, a.k.a. Nanogram. If you're listening to the podcast, the show is live every weekday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on Clubhouse. Spark it up with us and over 31,000 State of Cannabis News Hour members if you want to be an audience participant. Otherwise, please subscribe to support our show. We'd love to hear from you, so please leave us a review. Today we're talking about a GOP candidate getting hot about hemp. You're going to love that one, Jason. A pollen study in Spain. What Zoomers are into. Will Smith and his ayahuasca trip. The struggle to regulate hemp intoxicants. Celebrity chef Todd English getting into the edible sector sector and many other frosty nuggets so stay tuned for this full 60 minutes of the state of cannabis news hour the following program contains coarse language and nudity viewer discretion is advised audience feel free to raise your hands if you want to weigh in on a headline after it's been read and we'll try to bring you up to the stage but keep it brief and relevant or you might get the gone No plugging on our stage, please. All right. Kicking off the show today is Rico Lamite. He likes to ask the tough questions that the mainstream media refuses to ask. The self-proclaimed dopest dad alive is here to encourage other dope dads. Find him on TEDx or at one of his Cannavision events, but always find him here every weekday as co-producer of the State of Cannabis News Hour. What's your headline today, Rico? All right, so mine is from Benzinga by Nina Dinjak. I think I pronounced it wrong. But uh, politicians and cannabis controversial GOP rep Lauren Boebert calls Senator Corum illegal drug dealer for selling hot hemp. Colorado U.S. House of Representatives Republican Representative Lauren Boebert has made a name for herself over the last decade, uh, last couple of years for a unique brand of rhetoric she's chosen best described as reckless as fuck. Whether it's dog whistling lies to racist white right wing extremists insinuating Minnesota Representative Ilhan Omar is a terrorist or heckling President Joe Biden in the middle of a State of Union address while speaking in remembrance of his son, Beau, and other fallen service members. You can always count on her, MTG and Madison Koth. Oh, yeah, he gone. Um, and the rest of Donald Trump's favorite QAnon backed Congress people up for election to say the right things at the right time. And what time is it now? Might you ask? It's elections season with cannabis already looking like one of the hottest debate topics leading into midterm elections. I got to admit, seeing all these politicians talk about a bunch of shit they don't really know anything about is both sad and entertaining at the same damn time. And during a Republican primary debate last night, Boebert accused her opponent, uh, State Senator Don Corum, of being an illegal drug dealer, accusing Corum uh, owned hemp company Paradox Ventures of producing hot hemp with levels of THC in excess of 0.03%. She claims her opponent had ulterior motives when he backed a bill lowering penalties for fentanyl. But is there truth in the venom? Per the article, Cannabis Law Report revealed it examined at least seven COAs issued by third-party vendor, uh, vendor Aram Labs, 
revealing THC levels of up to 0.59% for Paradox Venture products. She also said Quorum unlawfully used his powers to pressure the Department of Agriculture and Colorado's Montrose County DA to push for charges against the United Cannabis Corp owners over unpaid purchases of, hot, of hemp biomass. Benziga says that the matter is complicated due to environmental factors potentially impacting hemp cultivation and resulting in higher THC content. But fuck the details. Truth Social wants punchlines. And if you notice, Quorum responded to backing the police bill, but not the hot hemp allegations. Let's go to the tape. So the crowd is laughing at her, um, both for saying alternative motives and then also accusing the uh, senator of selling hot hemp because he's a, uh, a criminal. Not being a fan of Boebert in the le- in the least, I got to say, Quorum not responding to what she believed to be her sharpest rhetorical dagger of the night is a little suspect and uh, possibly a story future opponents can latch on to if he makes it past Boebert in the primaries. And if he doesn't, I'm sure she'll say plenty more wild and reckless shit over the next few months, keeping her particular off-brand distraction politics relevant, Donald Trump supporters happy, and liberals triggered. I cannot wait. This is Rico Lameet, Dope is Dad on the Street for State of Cannabis News Hour. I'd love to hear what the rest of the team has to say about this one. Jason, that's your homegirl. She reminds me of someone... She was hot and bothered. That was, I mean, wow. It's it, it's just getting worse and worse. We got to hate on each other. I mean, just let, let, them, let, them, let them kill each other off, you know? I'm, I'm all for it. She's the worst thing to come out of Colorado since Coors Light, and that's saying a lot. Ooh, you don't, you're not a fan of tapping the Rockies? Nah, I mean, she's just garbage. Garbage in, garbage out. It just shows the level of uh, uneducation here, <laughs> miseducation, I guess. You know, it's this is ridiculous. I think we can call all these politicians um, trying to talk about cannabis that don't really know much about it. We can call it Kabuthi Theater. <laughs> That's good. TM that one, bro. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he doesn't know the rules. He's in the business. He got caught red-handed. He he used his influence to get a company to buy that biomass that he produced that was hot. It's so dirty. It's fuck those politicians, both of them. Well, you know, as my story will say, um, special uh, favors for politicians. Follow the money. Nothing from you, Mister Beck. Nah, I mean, I mean, you guys have all just you know gonna go and just hate on everything that that said but what i really want to know on part of your story you said that cannabis is like in the top three uh uh top three things that that voters are concerned of and i thought the top three were ukraine the economy and uh and roe versus wade i said it was in the top three i'm saying like it's, it's, it's it's beginning to be one of the hottest early debate topics heading into the uh the midterm see i'd say cannabis has totally lost all its steam and momentum currently Ooh, you think so Yep. Are you just saying that because you're in the UK right now? Nope. I'm saying that because that's the truth. And every time I'm right, an angel gets its wings. Okie dokie. Angels of death. Let's keep it moving. Yep. Let's do it. Let's smoke this news. So he's the industry's longest continuously operating retailer who is uh, allegedly. Rico, Rico we're going to, to Liz. 
allegedly in the United Kingdom, where uh, Shad Khan has told him to go to Liz Rogan, an educator, brand strategist, healthcare consultant, and founder of the Cannabis Business Council of Santa Barbara County that prefers her morning data drip lab-tested and drama-free. So make sure your headlines come with a COA and the chain of custody has not been broken. Liz Rogan, what you got for us today? Thank you so much, Rico. Greetings, everyone. Happy Tuesday. Thank you again to our service members, and thank you all for joining us today. My story's got that follow the money again. So it co- today it comes from the LA Times by Matthew Ormseth. Let me put that link up there for you. Apologize. Uh, maybe, Susan, you can help me with that. Um, so the headline reads, Cannabis King sentenced to 22 months in prison for bribing San Luis Obispo politician. So Google the name Helios Spring, and likely your jaw will drop open. Uh, residents in the central coast of California, specifically Santa Barbara and San Luis counties, are very familiar with this ongoing saga. And boy, is it juicy. On Friday, uh, the U.S. District Attorney Andre Barot Jr. sentenced Helios Spring to 22 months in prison for bribing a public official and filing false tax returns. Barot ordered Dayspring to surrender by August 26th to serve his prison term. And Dayspring's legal team in this article includes attorneys Eric Shevin and Sandra Brown Bodner. Here's a little background on Dayspring, according to his attorneys. In 2003, he began cultivation on a 40-acre parcel in Santa Maria, and he gained a reputation for growing premium cannabis. Fast forward 10 years, and in 2013, Dayspring was supplying over 30 dispensaries in Southern California. He also had a plethora of cultivation sites he either had directly or was involved in with other people and had plans in the works to open dispensaries and consumption lounges. All of these ventures were to make him millions of dollars. Dayspring told the court that his life became, quote, singularly focused on building a business that was too big to fail. That no matter what was taken from me, I would always have the ability to find security for my family, my partners, my employees, and at the end of the line, myself. Dayspring also worked with an unnamed separate lawyer to help him navigate the licensing and regulatory hurdles. And this lawyer introduced Dayspring uh, to San Luis, uh, San Luis Obispo County Supervisor Adam Hill in 2016. And this unnamed lawyer told Dayspring to bribe Hill, which is, quote, not just incorrect, but frankly, illegal advice, according to Dayspring's current attorneys. Hill first appealed to Dayspring by saying his wife had left him, leaving him without furniture in his home and he couldn't pay rent. So Dayspring then admitted in court that he first bribed Hill with three $3,000 money orders and then an additional $9,000 in cash the following year. So in November 2017, the Board of Supervisors in San Luis voted unanimously to grant exemptions to growers who were already registered with the county before a ban went into effect. This decision benefited Dayspring. The following year, Dayspring gave Hill $5,000 in cash and a bunch of cannabis products and instructed him to maintain the exemption because it was really important, but only for growers like Dayspring who had already received it. He wrote in a text message, quote, it's really important you guys extend the time frame for submission and don't allow other people in yet, quote. The Board of Supervisors voted 5-0 to extend the exemptions, and Dayspring said he handed Hill $5,000 in cash outside a restaurant in Avila Beach. Hill acknowledged he tried to kill himself after the FBI agent searched his government office in March 2020. That was a sealed search warrant that still has not been open to the public. But in August 2020, so just a few months later, Hill did die of an overdose of cocaine and antidepressants, which has been ruled a suicide. He was not charged at a crime at the time of his death. Regarding that situation, Shevin, Dayspring's attorney, says, quote, he lives with, quite frankly, the death of Adam Hill. There was a lot of other bribery and other, uh, okay, so Dayspring tried to bribe a lot of politicians overall. He also tried to bribe the mayor of Grover Beach. Um, The mayor didn't respond, so no money changed hands. Dayspring's lawyers said that uh, the crimes were all based on this unnamed lawyer and other professionals he had hired to help, quote, navigate like this extensive system. And prosecutors said that, you know, this whole industry is rife with corruption, but they did lay the blame squarely on Dayspring himself, saying he was trying to fix the game, making sure no one else got in, quote, he was the cannabis king. So Dayspring also gained an edge in another corrupt way. He filed from 2014 to 2018, he filed false tax returns, which basically shorted the IRS of 3.5 million. And uh, this is a benefit that he received, which was not important 
played by the enjoyed by those who played by the rules. So they were. Uh, um, this is Rabarchek, who is the prosecutor two years and three months. The attorneys asked him to spare him from prison and get three years, let him out on probation, you know, because he had done extraordinary cooperation with investigations and public corruption. But like he wore a wire and then agreed to testify before a grand jury if needed. But nothing apparently was extraordinary about his cooperation. He provided, inf he provided information on four people, but that didn't lead anywhere. And his secret recording with the wire hadn't went nowhere also. So Day Springs lawyers as a last ditch effort said, you know, he gave a lot to charity, passed out turkeys and had toy drives. But the judge said, if I'm making 30 million, great. I'm giving out toys to everyone. So at the end of the day, uh, Dayspring is uh, required to surrender on August 26th to prison. So this is a very juicy story. There's a lot more to it if you Google it. Uh, a lot of real estate and um, potentially human trafficking and other things in this story that Dayspring has been accused of. So I urge you to read it. Um, but this is Liz Rogan. I'm reporting for the State of Cannabis News Hour and would absolutely love to hear if anyone has any comments on this. <laughs> you know I have a comment. Uh, this guy, wow. Uh, I was working with a consultant, an unnamed consultant, um, with this guy, and we were on a Zoom call, and he turned the camera around. He was driving. He turned the camera around so that we could see his very, very, very long driveway, like a mile long driveway. And then uh, he walked through his house. He walked through every room in his house while we were talking to show us how massively huge it was. And that left me with a really bad feeling about him. And then he started doing some shady things. And I was like, oh, dude, I am out of this. Out, out, out. I don't want to have anything to do with this guy. And the unnamed consultant is now in the process of becoming a corrupt politician. This story is wild as fuck. <laughs> this dude is, he's wild as fuck too. But um, there's a lot of corruption going down and uh, we'll be seeing a lot more of this. A lot, uh, a lot of chickens are coming to roost right now. Yeah, this whole thing has been such a hot mess in Slow County. And thank you for stand on this list this is just like the the biggest embarrassment out of the central coast but it sounds like it we're rounding the corner but oh my god what yeah it's just it's just ugly i want to throw one more monkey wrench in here because uh last week i believe we reported that glasshouse group had acquired the natural healing center uh three locations and then helios day spring would be profiting from that good morning dr felicia here as long as we have a pay-to-play political system and continue to allow these massive obscene amounts of money into politics, uh, nothing's going to change. Uh, he didn't even have to get caught by making a legal campaign contribution. Wait, Liz, so because Glass House Farms acquired his dispensaries, he still gets to profit off of it? Well, how it worked is he tra he um, transferred all of his assets to his live-in girlfriend, Belnette Garcia. And so then he didn't have anything. And then he said he was going to make his best attempt to pay back the IRS, but then said, you know, because of the price of cannabis had gone down, he just, he wasn't able to. So sorry. And then he basically still is a partner with his girlfriend in, um, it's mentioned in the Glasshouse article that he definitely gets shares in this. So in my opinion, it seems like he still comes out on top and, um, this story is just really sad because someone died here, you know, and um, though it's ruled a suicide, there's a lot of questions about that. And Helios worked with a lot of people on the Central Coast, so I wouldn't be surprised if there's more to follow on this. I've never heard of death by that combination, depression pills and cocaine. That's so bizarre. That would not be my go-to if I was going to try and kill myself. Apparently the supervisor also bullied people a lot. It's in a lot of articles how he kind of was a bully and pushed people around. But then there's other people who said he was a great person. So I think it's like anything, but it is very sad. And um, I do hope that justice will be served and we can move forward with a better system. See plenty more dirt washing up on the shore. Yeah. Stay tuned for corruption stories. Absolutely. London boy, are you ready for the next introduction? No, I'm I'm not back to my to my other phone where I have all that at. All right, all right, all right. Let me rock it out. Yeah, we got here we go. Up next, coming straight out of Jason Beck's favorite winter private jet landing strip on the other side of the pond. 
as London Town. This entrepreneurial boss heads up the ultimate lifestyle brand, Black Buddha Cannabis, while holding dual titles as founder and CEO of Minorities for Medical Marijuana, as the legendary Mr. Pluto, a.k.a. Future, once said, at the same <laughs> damn time. Next, Roz McCarthy, what you got for us today? Listen, I'm in my office and my son is in here with me. He's cracking up because you just do that so well, Rico. Thank you for the love, brother. Thank you, brother. Thank you. You make me feel so good. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Um, So happy to be here. Good morning. Good afternoon. So um, listen, this is coming to us. It's a story that's coming from Atlanta and it's WSB TV 2 and Coastal and the byline says Coastal Georgia prosecutor becomes latest in state to drop marijuana cases. So the district attorney, and this is in Savannah, Georgia, the district attorney of Coastal Georgia's largest county has become the latest prosecutor statewide to say she'll generally stop prosecuting misdemeanor marijuana cases involving possession of less than an ounce of the drug. Chatham County District Attorney Shalina Cook-Jones made the announcement Tuesday. Like other prosecutors, police chiefs and sheriffs who have stopped marijuana enforcement, she cited, the Georgia Bureau of Investigation's refusal to test for small amounts of marijuana unless other felony charges are involved. Without a verified test, the state cannot prove that the accused violated the law, Jones said in a statement. She also cited Georgia's 2019 law that made hemp farming illegal, saying it's hard to tell, or it should say made hemp farming illegal, but saying it's hard to tell the difference between legal hemp and illegal marijuana. The change began immediately. Officials in other jurisdictions, including Atlanta suburbs of Cobb, DeKalb, DeKalb, and Gwinnett counties, as well as Athens-Clark County and Augusta-Richmond County, have made similar announcements since 2019. Disposing of low-level petty offenses that do not threaten public safety and do not involve a victim allows the state to focus already limited resources on the serious cases that do, Jones said. A number of Georgia cities and counties, including Savannah, Atlanta, Macon, have also reduced penalties for possessing marijuana. They've told police to only write a ticket and not to take someone to jail. Jones says she will still prosecute people with more than an ounce of marijuana, those who sell the drugs, those who possess it around children or in school zones, and those who drive while impaired. Savannah Mayor um, Van Johnson, who led the city's previous efforts to cut marijuana penalties, told WTOC-TV that he supports the move. I think it just makes sense, he said. But uh, we will, I will say this, that Chatham County Sheriff John Wilcher said he must uphold state and federal laws and that his deputies will still arrest anyone possessing any amount of marijuana. State lawmakers, mostly Democrats, have introduced a number of bills in the Georgia General Assembly seeking to legalize marijuana or reduce penalties for possession, but none have advanced. Um, Listen, the one thing that I'm concerned about is, is that you have a sheriff who's like, I will still uphold the law. However, a prosecutor who's like, hey, we're not going to, you know, we're not going to convict and we're not going to take this to trial. So I'm Roz McCarthy signing off for the State of Cannabis News Hour. I would love to hear my colleagues talk about the disparity between, you know, the sheriff saying, yep, we're going to still uphold the law. The, you know, the district attorney saying, no, we're not going to prosecute. Um, This is definitely a foot in the right direction. I would love to hear your thoughts. Well, you know, the slave state and it's... uh policemen are trying to cling on to the war on drugs. Um, I'm, I'm happy that Savannah is looking up. I mean, it's, it's a fun place and it's about to be a little bit more fun. But yeah, these these sheriffs who are still hanging on to the war on drugs, that they're just going to do what they what they do. Yeah, I think it's right. And we have a we have an opportunity. And I think from the advocacy community of really, you know, one, I'm grateful to be able to share this story. But this is why we have to support, you know, when we see some type of policy like this, how do we take this policy? And it could be duplicated not only in Georgia, but Mississippi, Alabama and Florida, like having simple marijuana, especially when you don't know the difference and have the ability to test between cannabis and hemp. Um, you know, right now, like some type of reform needs to take place. And here's off to the GBI. I don't know who approved that, but um, I, whoever made that decision not to even test these amounts is, is amazing. Yeah, I absolutely. So this again, you guys, when we talk about social justice and repairing the harm and all these different, you know, cannabis companies are like, hey, we're social justice. Like this is really social justice in action because we are creating reform that's because still black folks are still being targeted. And and when it comes down to it, if you're not having to go to jail for something as a minor possession type of charge, 
it definitely it, it, it makes a difference. I agree with that part, Roz. Especially, not- isn't Georgia really challenging with uh, the THC and CBD percentage? Well, they have well, the highest CBD percentage in the in the industry with five percent, right? Yeah, yeah. Theoretically, on the books, theoretically on the books, they have yet <laughs> to produce it. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> that's exactly. So Georgia theoretically says you can, but you know, with their new program, the new medical program in Georgia, like you're not going to be able to have flour. You're not going to be able to have edibles. Really, is a very, very limited. And I just, I just wish we would just kind of just wake up and get out of this whole, you know, cannabis is is the devil. Like, if you're going to create a medical program, create it so that people have options and choices. And I know you agree agree with this, Doctor um, Felicia. Yes, definitely. All right. We will see. We'll see, guys. Stay tuned. Shout out to all the folks in the audience that are from Georgia. I see you in chat. Um, um, you guys go talk to your lawmakers, tell them that you support this and even more. So I think, um, just stay tuned. Agreed. We got anybody else, Susan? No, we're good. Let's keep smoking the news. Keep it rocking. Up next, she's an attorney at law focusing on the nexus point between cannabis, entertainment, and psychedelics, and does a phenomenal job documenting her adventures along the way on social media and through her appropriately titled podcast, Shall We Toke? Coming to the stage, it's Shalina Panu. What you got for us today, Shalina? Thank you so much, Rico. Good morning, everyone. My name is Shalina, and my headline for today is Gen Z says no to booze, but yes to weed and shrooms. As reported by Bloomberg, Zoomers, also known as Gen Z, are redefining everything from the way we shop to how we use social media and what we choose to consume to unwind, as they do have around $360 billion in disposable income. A recent survey was done by a cannabis research firm, firm, New Frontier Data, which included 4,170 current cannabis consumers and 1,250 non-users. The study found that people between the ages of 18 to 24 reported to choose cannabis over alcohol. People up to the age of 44 had similar preferences. Amanda Raymond, New Frontier's Data's, Data's VP of Public Policy research stated, Gen Z is the first generation to be of legal consumption age in an environment with widespread adult use cannabis access. As such, it shouldn't be surprising to see alcohol and tobacco companies making the switch into cannabis. Cohen Inc., a financial services firm that follows cannabis, said, shifting risk perspective Shifting risk perceptions among 18 to 25 year olds gives it a bullish position on U.S. multi-state operators. They go on to cite data that showed from 2002 and 2008 that age group thought smoking cannabis once or twice a week was riskier than having five drinks once or twice a week. Then from 2008 to 2019, that perception flipped and cannabis was viewed as less and less risky. As such, companies like Boston Beer Company, which is a maker of Sam Adams Beer, just released a THC drink last week in order to appeal to the younger generations. Brightfield Group, which is another research firm, did a survey on 5,000 people following Gen Z people ages 21 to 23. The study found that more than 10% of Gen Z adults report having used psilocybin in the past six months versus 3.4% for the general population. What Bridefield found was that Gen Zers want to be healthier than previous generations. Study participants stated that the top reason they choose cannabis over alcohol is because they use it for sleep, fun, relaxation, and emotional release. After the pandemic and with the closing of bars and nightclubs, Gen Zers Zers prefer cannabis over alcohol as a way to unwind at home events and gatherings. What are your thoughts on Gen Z switching to cannabis and shrooms over booze? My name is Shlaine and I'm reporting for the State of Cannabis NewsHour. Thanks for sharing that one, Shalina. Pretty interesting. Uh, I think it's nice to see Gen Z wising up to the reality that alcohol is poison and cannabis is plant medicine and psilocybin is functional food. There's been lots of propaganda out there that says cannabis is bad for you and lots of marketing that says alcohol will make you have a great time and be the star of the party. uh, (laughs) um, I'm glad to see that Gen Z is starting to not buy it because I'm super pro cannabis, just like everybody else on the State of Cannabis News Hour. Um, is Gen Z the same as Zoomers? I know I sound old as fuck right now. That's what it says in the, the article. I think that it is. I think that Gen Z is just the like slang, but I could be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's right, Shalene. That's what I heard, all the okay. demo, demographic use. But I just want to add, too, that I love this trend, and I, I, I just love that younger people are uptaking that. And again, it's why I'm saying 
look out for beverages because you've got billions of dollars, billions of dollars, really skilled marketers completely pivoting all their all their beverage expertise to cannabis. And we've been we've been drinking liquids in social situations for hundreds of years. It's it's one plus one equals three. So it's it's really something to keep an eye on. Thanks for bringing this, Shalina. I think this pandemic and the things that we've gone through recently have kind of exacerbated this trend. And then also, as we learn with more research and education, I think it's great that we're looking closer and closer at natural products. And with that, I'm going to relight this room. You are tuned in to the State of Cannabis News Hour, your daily dose. Often the opinions expressed in the State of Cannabis News Hour are those of the individual speakers and not those of any other speaker, the State of Cannabis, or its members. The statements made in the State of Cannabis News Hour do not constitute legal or accounting advice, and the State of Cannabis and the speakers make no representation regarding the legal status of any substance in any country, area, or territory, or of any authorities. The views expressed in this room do not establish any fiduciary relationship. The sponsorships of the State of Cannabis News Hour do not imply or constitute any endorsement by the State of Cannabis or the expression of any opinion whatsoever on the part of the State of Cannabis or any speaker. Viewer discretion advised. Let's keep smoking the news. He's a fifth-generation Californio that also happens to be an award-winning journalist, brand-building con content ninja, and freedom-fighting farmer's friend, always ready to hit us with the hard-hitting truth lamestream media refuses to, ensuring tomorrow's history is not only told from a carpetbagger's point of view, but also from the people's. Up next, Eric Hislereto. What you got for us today, my hermano? Hey, mano. Uh, thanks for that intro. Um, hey, everybody. Great to be here today. My headline is from the Vancouver Sun, and it's Will Smith saw his career disappear during ayahuasca trip before Oscars controversy. So I think by now everybody's, uh, the news cycle has pretty much been played out about the Will Smith Oscars story, but I saw this and thought it's still something worth talking about. Um, I'm going to read a photo caption for you first that accompanied the story, and it's, he said, once you drink it, you're going to see yourself in a way you've never seen yourself. Uh, the Academy Award winner for King Richard told Letterman during an episode of My Guest Needs No Introduction. The episode was taped in advance of the Oscars on March 27. Ayahuasca is a brew made from the leaves of the Psychotria viridis shrub and the stalks of the Banisteriopsis capi vine, according to Healthline. Originally used for religious purposes by ancient Amazonian tribes, ayahuasca is still regarded as a sacred beverage by some religious communities and indigenous communities, I should add. Its medicinal properties are now being explored. Rather than a religious experience, though, Smith recount recounted how one ayahuasca sesh turned nightmarish. One of the experiences was the individual most hellish psychological experience of my life, Smith relayed, of the six-hour high. After taking a bit of time to kick in, all of a sudden it was like I was seeing all of my money flying away, my house flying away, and my career is gone away, the actor is seen telling Letterman in a YouTube clip posted by ET Canada. That may be more severe than the fallout Smith has experienced in slapping presenter Chris Rock at this year's Academy Awards after the Academy, I'm sorry, after the comedian made a joke about Jada Pinkett Smith. The veteran actor has proved a lightning rod for criticism since the incident, which many have labeled as a straight up assault. Smith said he tried desperately to grab the money, but to no avail as it continued to fly away and out of his reach. His current experiences may put Smith's bad ayahuasca trip to the test. When I came out of it, I realized that anything that happens in my life, I can handle it, notes the interview clip. I can handle any person I lose. I can handle anything that goes wrong in my life. I can handle anything in my marriage. I can handle anything that this life has to offer me, enemy quotes the actor is saying. According to Entertainment Weekly, Smith said his main takeaway was that 99% of the shit you worry about never happens. 99% of your pain and your misery is all self-generated. It's not real. Smith certainly had other psychedelic experiences that have proved considerably more pleasant. Traveling to Peru for a dozen ayahuasca rituals represented a truly life-changing experience, he told GQ last year. In my 50-plus years on this planet, this is the unparalleled greatest feeling I've ever had, he said, of his first such consumption. Smith relayed that using psychedelics in his fuck-it 50s helped set him on a better path toward peace, happiness, and comfort. Now his goal is to make life about giving things away rather than gathering them. I'm going to add that anyone considering working with his traditional indigenous plant medicines like ayahuasca or its brother medicine, Huachuma or San Pedro, please work with an experienced guide or shaman. 
take it seriously. It's a deep practice, and if you treat it with respect, they will reward you. However, if you treat it like some party drug, you will be bitch slapped into your next lifetime. It's medicines like these that, reach, that teach the modern world. There is still much to learn about the wisdom of ancient traditions. Also, I want to uh, suggest that you uh, watch the clip of Will and Letterman embedded in the article. You can see the power of the experience in his expression. And that's what I've got for today. I'm Eric for the State of Cannabis News Hour. Gracias for having me up. Thank you so much for covering this, Eric. And uh, I just want to hear what he has to say after the slap. Did I, did the ayahuasca tell it correctly or was he just bullshit? Well, I think it's... It sh- yeah, I mean, he's... Oh, sorry, Eric. No, no, I was just saying that, I mean, it's so potent because it actually said what's happening. I mean, he's having that situation right now, but the medicine also taught him how to deal with it. You can handle this. You got this. All that shit. And when he talks about it in the clip, he said the main thing like he's talking about is it's all about his family. Like, let that shit go. Worry about your family. I don't know if I want to do ayahuasca now because I don't want to get bitch slapped. You know what? I mean, it's it's the thing I would say is that it's all the lessons we need, and not everything's unicorn and rainbows. We have to go into some deep corners to clean up our stuff, and it's it's really good. I just the important thing is do it with the right people. The do with people that understand because it is very powerful. It really truly is, and you you'll understand so much more about yourself. But it's it's not all again. It's not all. It's not a party trip at all. It's it's. My last experience with Wachuma was really difficult, but it was um, super, I'm super grateful for it. Uh, I just wanted to chime in. Um, Eric, thank you so much for this uh, story. Good morning, everyone. Uh, Ayahuasca, I'm so grateful that that it's becoming more of a common word that you're hearing. I'm so grateful that somebody like a Will Smith uses his platform to be honest and truthful about this amazing, powerful plant medicine, um, which saved my life. I attribute it to that. I I tried it for the first time in May of 2019 um, and was able to resolve some really deep issues when it came to my my dad and my sister who were already gone and in the spiritual realm. Um, They died on their way to my 25th birthday. So there were a lot of things that were left unsaid and I was able to connect with them in that session. Um, it was beautiful and amazing and life-changing. And so I know what psychedelics have done for me, and I know that I always um, will be truthful and transparent about what different plant medicines have done for me. And, and I don't have the celebrity status, but I know that it's important for someone that looks like me, um, explains to people in my community how important it is to consider these plant medicines, powerful plant medicines, not for party, party drugs. Um, but for intentional medicinal use. Yeah, I mean, in this article, he says, when I came out of it, I realized that anything that happens in my lifetime, I can handle it, except he can't even handle a joke. Well, Good I think, point. I, I think we go back to Nicole's point is that she was guided and went through an experience that she has support. And I think, you know, um, you know, hopefully people will not look at this negative from his experience and go, okay, I'll never be able, I'll tap into this as an option for my care because of a high profile individual who's, you know, quote unquote, my hellish experience. That would scare the shit out of me if if I was not connected or didn't have some sense of understanding about plant medicine. And so I think, you know, our celebrities need to be responsible um, in, in that manner as well, because if you misuse or if you didn't use it as it was intended, I think that needs to be, you know, definitely stated. And Eric was absolutely right. You have to go through the process with a, with a shaman, with someone who it's, it's, it's not even like um, psilocybin. It's, it's a completely different experience. And having someone to guide you through that experience is very important. Somebody experiences that's trustworthy. Thank you for saying that. Don't be using that off-brand ayahuasca shit you can find at Oakland either. <laughs> just saying. What right. is it? What is it? You can just find some shit. There's no booth ayahuasca. Say, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah there's people Well, as selling, long as you work yeah. with the right people, you'll have the right stuff. That's why it's all about the person. And you know what? It comes, it'll look for you. You don't have to go looking for it. Yeah. And if somebody's not administering it to you, it's not something you buy and take yourself. That's not how it works. Like, you, it has to be very ceremonial um, given to you. I can dig that. We got to keep it moving now. Our next correspondence beard game is damn near as strong and deep as his love for the 
plant cannabis sativa. Midwest, born and bred, this cannabis IP attorney is the CEO of Fruit Slabs and operates out of Long Beach, delivering us the news daily with a sweet vegan kosher twist. Brandon Dorsky, what flavor news you got for us this morning, my man? Thanks for having me. Today, my news headline comes from abcnews.go.com. It's celebrity chef Todd English talks about his new cannabis-infused food line. Todd English is the latest celebrity chef to announce they are entering the cannabis kitchen. The James Beard Award-winning chef announced his cannabis-infused line of food products, Last Leaf, with the release of his gourmet mac and cheese in two flavors, white cheddar with shells and classic cheddar with elbow macaroni. The stoner in me really wishes the elbow macaroni was spelled LB, but it's not. Chasing the emerging trend of food and beverage infusions, English's infusion twist is available in California as of press time, and he hopes to expand the line to more cities that have legalized adult-use cannabis consumption soon. Last Leaf says it plans to launch cannabis-infused pasta sauces, rubs, and olive oils in the next coming months to add to its already-released macaroni. Sounds like they're going after Potley's market niche. English claims to not be a novice of cannabis infusion, having experimented with the ingredient over a decade ago as he helped his sister deal with her battle with breast cancer. While she was in remission, English prepared foods with cannabis that seemed to help her deal with the adverse side effects of chemotherapy. The article does note that there is some scientific evidence that marijuana benefits those with cancer who are going through treatment. After his experience, English set out to develop health food products that contained cannabinoids. And his partner, Keith Burkhardt, worked with him. He noted that they are, quote, introducing primary food group edibles to the marketplace and said it's going to take a little bit of time to get embedded into the marketplace because he feels the cannabis industry was launched on secondary food groups like chips, snacks, chocolate, and candies. And while I appreciate their positioning of Last Leaf, uh, their position on there not being any primary food groups in cannabis, I think, uh, reeks of a little bit of ignorance that ignores the pioneers that have been doing this for many years and the plethora of chefs that are already out there and have dedicated their craft to the art of cannabis infusion from Chef Matt to Chef Tranibus and many, many others. The infused products that are out by Last Leaf will unfortunately not be on English's restaurant menus just yet although he has establishments in many legal markets, including a planned hotel in the city of Las Vegas, the English Hotel. And I am hoping that that place actually becomes a playground for his cannabis kitchen. There was not much else in the article, but look out for his infused macaroni in the state of California and look for the upcoming products from Last Leaf in market soon. This is Brandon Dorsky reporting for the State of Cannabis News Hour. I can use me some infused macaroni and cheese right now. Yes, we have that shit at Oz. That shit is pretty good. Man, I love macaroni and cheese. This this sounds a little dangerous to me because I'll be honest, sometimes when I start eating mac and cheese, especially at night after a little medication, I might not be able to stop. I love have, you had both, have you had both flavors, Jason? Yes. Yes, super bomb. You got to come check them out. We got them over at Austin, West Hollywood, both flavors. I love that it's going to normalize cannabis more to regular folk who might not try it any other way, trying it in food and seeing how, how it goes. I think it's a, a good move. I think it's interesting how the article glossed over the fact that he doesn't have any uh, restaurants that will be serving cannabis. It, it, I doubt that that's going to happen. It's just too hard. Maybe there'll be a secret menu at the English Hotel in Las Vegas. Yes. Where if you're in the know, you can be like, I want that heady mac and cheese. Yeah. And they'll serve you up a fat dose of THC-infused mac and cheese so you can sleep real great in Vegas. Hey. That's perfect. Yeah, this is Go ahead, Danny, Danny. From, yeah, from the Chamber of Cannabis in Las Vegas. And we've been uh, chopping it up with the Chad English people for a while. Um, it is tough, of course, because if you want to have a liquor license, you're not able to have the cons you won't be able to apply for the consumption lounge. Uh, granted, they have not released the uh, application standards yet, so we're still not even sure what that's going to look like. It's obviously been a very slow pro process with the, the promulgation of the regulations. But yeah, we would love to see the Todd English uh, Hotel become uh, a fun event. Went there for a reggae Grammy party and got absolutely lit by the pool and it was flipping lit. So looking forward to it. Thanks for those insights, Danny. I, I want to note, 
the article did say that the English hotel is being planned for old downtown Vegas, which is slightly off strip. And so there is a lot more cannabis activity over there, close to all the hotels and casinos that are on Fremont. So I don't know where this exact location is being planned, but at least he's targeted an area that is more cannabis friendly than the heart of the street. Yeah, it's actually already been built. It's in the arts district, and that's exactly where uh, we're anticipating most of uh, most of these cannabis consumption lounges going to be living just because of um, zoning with the gaming and casino uh, coming in against us. We have to do a lot of, you know careful planning so how does a hotel uh, make it without a liquor license that that seems like a, a tough I one. think they'd have to separate the addresses that's how I would do it if I was looking for a loophole like a stoner but that's how I do it or BYOB BYO boof no boof no boof in this circle have we come to the end of that story? Thank you, Brandon. Uh, I agree with you. The the legacy folks that have, you know, risked their freedom uh, to bring their craft to the people shouldn't be forgotten in stories like this. Absolutely. So let's keep smoking the news. In the mean Long Beach streets, just off Karen Lane, the neighbors call her Nanograms, the visionary leader of our scrappy, unrefined news team. She's the highly connected founder of JustForCare.org, the state of cannabis events and news hour, and an inspiration to us all. And an author that's a thorn in Jimmy Fallon's side, bringing us the next story of the day. The author of the book, What's Growing in Grandma's Garden, Susan Soares. What you got for us today? Thank you, Rico. My story today is really a pitch for fundraising, but it brings some interesting points. And I'll dive a little deeper to get to the real story. So it comes from Cannabis Newswire. And the headline is, Pollen Study in Spain Reveals Thriving Illegal Cannabis Grows. So there's a study exploring the concentration of cannabis pollen in the atmosphere in the Spanish city of Mercaya has discovered that the levels of pollen are increasing in the atmosphere. This is a clear indication that the extent of illicit cannabis farming is trending upwards. For decades, scientists have been documenting the amount of cannabis pollen present in the air in order to estimate the extent of illegal cannabis cultivation taking place in different cities, including Cartagena, Lorca, and Murcia. I don't know how to say those cities. Anyway, they discovered that very little of the pollen was coming from North Africa, and it was domestically produced. In 2017, they logged in at 19 to 27 pollen grains per cubic meter of air. The new study logged in readings of 80 pollen grains per cubic meter. That's a huge jump. So the country of Spain is scrambling to find ways to regulate the industry. Last year, the country initiated steps to permit the use of cannabis for medicinal purposes. The authorities have also granted four licenses to companies to grow and manufacture pharmaceutical-grade cannabis products. These are exclusively for export. That does not make any sense to me. That's so strange. Um, so here comes the pitch in the article. Uh, according to the article, if the country eventually creates a regulated market for marijuana, allowing local and international marijuana companies such as Flora Growth Corp, NASDAQ FLGC, to operate, scientists will no longer have to analyze pollen collections in order to get an idea about cannabis use. I say what's probably going on is the cannabis clubs are thriving in Spain. In Spain, it's legal to smoke and cultivate cannabis in your home. There's no limits. However, it is illegal to sell it. So they have membership clubs that include access to cannabis. Unfortunately for tourists, you have to be a resident of Spain. There are over 700 cannabis clubs in Spain. There's 47 million residents in Spain. That's only 8 million more than California. We've got, what, now three uh, cannabis consumption lounges? They've got 700. I say let's get another 600 here in California. Jason, have you been, have you been to a cannabis club in Spain? 
or anyone on the stage? Spain is a cannabis club. Spain is amazing. And I recommend anybody going there for cannabis tourism. Spain is in New Amsterdam. What about Spanibus? Remember Spanibus? That was huge. Oh, yeah. Do you think uh, that there's any connection here, Susan, uh, between Amazon, uh, Tilray, and their pollen product? And the story that you have today, <laughs> trying to follow the money here, just trying to follow the money, connect the dots. Uh, yeah, no, but that pollen, I, I thought it was funny that they they were worried about the pollen coming from North Africa, but it's coming from home cultivation. I love it. So I don't really understand what is, with in regards to the home cultivation, How does anybody know what the plant limitations are? Or is it just that more people around Spain are home cultivating and now they want to add more regulation to that? There's no limitations as long as you're doing it in your own home. You just can't sell it. This and is of something course. we're going to see more and more of. I mean, especially in Santa Barbara County, it's funny. People were complaining about the pollen count and saying they're getting allergies from the cannabis. But it's like, actually, there's not pollen around here where we would have major problems. But I think it's cool, Susan. It can really try. You think it's, yeah. just, you think it's just Keith? The, the, children, the children were getting headaches from the pollen. And you're right, Liz. It's like, yeah, if there was pollen, we'd be in trouble. They, they were worried about uh, cannabis terrorism people putting pollen out there to uh, ruin everybody's cannabis, but that's just not happening. Did, 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 you say, did you say that if you're in Spain, you can cultivate as much cannabis as long as it's at your home? That's what it said, yeah. That is fake news. Is it? Yes, that is not reality. Let me Google that. Because you were wrong about the color of pollen last week. It is more than yellow. I'm not really surprised that Spain would, would blame Africa first either. Yeah, what do you think of that, Rico? I have my thoughts and I have my feelings. I, I keep them separate. I think there's some strong feelings that that brings to the surface. A lot of history there. So maybe that's why all these companies are trying to ban home grows because they just are worried about the pollen. I'm sure that's what it is. Just kidding. Maybe Africa can uh, develop enough pollen to, 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 to pollinate the damn world. I just want to say that African pollen, like some Durban poison and stuff, is phenomenal. It's so cool. Those plants open like slowly, one at a time, so they have more time to pollinate. It's really awesome. That African pollen is bomb. So, Jason, since the Spanish law does not reach into homes or private spaces, there is no law as to how much cannabis a Spanish citizen can possess at home. The Spanish law does not explicitly state how many plants are allowed to be grown, but it is recommended to use your discretion and not grow more than would be considered enough for private use. Exactly. Use discretion. Exactly. It seems that Jason, you have failed to be right. No, I was not once, right. but twice. Does that mean that you are moving closer to the center? No, I was one hundred percent right. I sense catch, a little. Uh, I sense a little triggered, triggeredness in your catch, voice. Right. Catch now. the I, I, replay. Angel just got its wings. You guys, you're welcome. <laughs> Let's keep it moving. Up next, she's a New York City-based, 25-year board-certified medical doctor with Michigander roots and a widely respected expert in CBD, now operating out of New York City. Everyone, please welcome the latest addition to our robustly diverse state of cannabis news team, the wonderful Dr. Mary Clifton. What you got for us today, Dr. Mary? <laughs> Thank you, Rico. I have a stigma busting story. I like the medical stories and I love when stigmas, uh, when stigmas break. But this is uh, from Golf Digest. Fan controlled football quarterback throws touchdown, lights up a joint to celebrate and makes Terrell Owens look like a choir boy. Usually when, uh, when quarterbacks are getting hit on the field, it's because of the defense. But in this case, it was a uh, quarterback's time to light up and celebrate after the touchdown. And if you, I don't really follow any football, but if you all follow football, you should, uh, you should, you should watch this uh, touchdown on, on any of the uh, social media. It's all over uh, the internet. It really is a pretty cool touchdown. And this uh, fan controlled uh, football quarterback, uh, it, you know, almost instantly uh, pulled a, and I don't know how he kept the joint so nice and smooth and uh, and even, but anyway, pulled it out of his uh, out of his um, 
uh, waistband and uh, lit up right there in the uh, in the end zone. I guess is what they call that part of the field. <laughs> he got uh, uh, he uh, he got of course immediately uh, suspended and has been removed from his team, uh, the Zappers. Uh, but he uh, but he did do a great job of uh, bringing some uh, marijuana into the spotlight. And he and he posted on his uh, Instagram where he has over a hundred and ten thousand followers. History made, green check. At some point, we have to have a conversation about marijuana. It's okay for athletes to chug a beer at a sporting event, but they get kicked out of leagues for smoking a plant. I'm okay with being the sacrifice to raise awareness. When I played in Memphis, they had me on hydrocodone for a lot of my injuries. I couldn't function or play, and then I tapped into Kush. I felt better, slept better, ate better, had different creativity. I'm not saying marijuana is right for everyone, but there are people in this world that use it as a medicine. Do some research on why it was even outlawed in the first place. All glory to God. I smoke Kush and love God. Hate me or love me. I'm one of one. <laughs> so that's my story. And my only question is what exactly, Rico, is fan controlled football? Yeah. Thank you for covering this story, Dr. Mary. You, know, you actually grabbed it before I did. And uh, I thought of you when I took it and I was like, I should just give it to you because it, is, nah, it really you is should. your story. Nah, so this, and, and I do um, appreciate your enthusiasm for how smooth this young man pulled that joint out of his pants. I mean, so, <laughs> like, so did he light up on the field? Like, so, so when yeah, you gotta, right you gotta, you gotta, you gotta watch the video. You gotta watch the video, Raj. It's, it's 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 pretty fucking funny. But yeah, he got kicked off the team, or he got kicked off. I don't know if he got kicked out of the league, but he got kicked off the team because he um, because it's illegal in Georgia, and they were trying, and he did it at a, at a home game in Georgia. But um, it was smooth as fuck, and I was very very jealous, <laughs> and I was not able to do the same <laughs> after that interception back in college. <laughs> Listen, Georgia's. It might have been hemp, and and maybe hemp flower, but um, I think. You know, no, he, I'm pretty sure it was not him. I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure. I'm just trying to help the brother out, you know. But I, listen, I, anyone that all, anyone that goes back and, ref- and and circles back this plant from a medical perspective and how we and how we need to focus on that side of it and the way that he wrote his his Twitter his piece um, that really focused on the medical and then it benefited him. I support. So yeah. Um, yeah. you know, um, let, listen, let the young man do what he do. And, um, and and big shout out to fan control football man. They've been making a lot of headlines lately. I, I saw another clip of uh, um, of a certain <laughs> young man uh, uh, during practice with a joint in his mouth <laughs> while he was backpedaling and doing cone drills. <laughs> so like this is like it, like seeing these dudes play is like the longest yard, and you, you get to see all these retired NFL players like mulling their return and going back and smoking joints on the field and shit. I don't know Pretty how far soon this it'll just go. be like the stoner football league and everybody. <laughs> I'm watching all, the NFL. <laughs> I, I'm all for it. And, and, and if my back and my knees would allow me to, I would be suiting up as well. <laughs> FCF takes over the NFL. Why? <laughs> because weed. Because and of weed. What's push. the what's yep. the equiv- what's the weed equivalent of the champagne celebration where they spray champagne all over everybody? I think that's a hot box. I think that would be a considered hot boxing. Or, may, or, or, or maybe even taking a a, a dab. <laughs> You know, you <laughs> dab live after you score a touchdown and after you win a Super Bowl or some shit like that. That's what I would do. But the, the champagne, they spray it all over everybody. Uh, so that'd be like using one of those uh, vacuum cleaners or spray machines where people ah, load yeah. a bunch of weed into it <laughs> and then the spray it out an entire room. That would a be pound. the equivalent of a champagne <laughs> shower of cannabis. But great that this is out there. Not shocked that there isn't a lot of media coverage on it because alcohol brands are the, are the big companies behind sporting events, alcohol brands and, and, and automotive companies, and they're not really big pro-cannabis. So I don't think we're going to see a lot of coverage on this fan-controlled football stuff outside of the State of Cannabis News Hour. Yeah, we're going to really cover off. it here. We're going to cover it here every damn day that we can. Uh, we've reached the top of the hour. That was a really great show. If you missed any of it, make sure to catch the replay or find us a few hours after the show anywhere you get your podcasts. And please, please, please subscribe to the podcast. We need to get 700 more subscribers in the next five days. We really appreciate it. A big thank you to all 
all of the correspondents that comb through all the headlines each day to bring us just what we need to know. A big thank you to Rico and Jason for co-producing the show and our pinup girl, Liz Rogan. Thank you, audience, for being an important part of our show. You've had your daily dose, so now... Go get him. Go get him. <laughs> You've been tuned in to the State of Cannabis News Hour, where we collectively move policy forward in an inclusive and sustainable way. Start your morning on a high note and join us every weekday, 9 a.m. Pacific time for the State of Cannabis News Hour, your daily dose. Bye. I bet Jason Beck is over there across the pond making London great again. One handshake at a time. <laughs> Bye. Triggered. Hey, what are you still doing here? The show's over. You just don't want to leave, do you? I know. We love you, too. Help us grow by grabbing some of our merch. We've got hats, bags, hoodies, water bottles, all the standards. It would really mean a lot. Go to justsaycare.org backslash shop today. Really, I mean it. Today, with the supply chain issues, you might get it by Christmas. The good news is that inflation will be so bad, you'll be locked into a low, low price. Remember, justsaycare.org. Thanks. Okay, go listen to another podcast. Bye.